Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Darby Robinson. And Darby, mm, where where are the vibes at right now on Saturday, July 29th? Uh, I think the last two months, the vibes have been in a steady downward uh, yeah. spiral, uh, a tailspin. Um, uh, Really rough, really rough. I feel like the Rays are definitely in their grub era at this point. Uh, just, just slugging through. Like each each game has been an absolute slog. So they they've from June first to like now they're actually under five hundred for like just based like barely. I think it's twenty four and twenty five. But it's but the twenty four wins have been like really. They've just been like these small bits of like I don't know not awful in the mix of a bunch of bad and not like oh these are they're like there's a different types of 500 teams and there's different ways of just being like just going 500 after you have your hot start is is pretty good but like they've just been playing really uninspired and just very unfun baseball for a while july in particular is sort of like bottomed out it's been yeah. it's been a terrible terrible month of, of baseball like one of the worst i would say in since the rays era like the uh drop in the d uh well, rays era you would be right in saying i wrote down i did some math on my whiteboard before we started and you would be right in saying that it is the worst month in the rays era going into july 2023 there had only been six six full months in franchise history in which they had a sub 300 winning percentage uh, July 2007, September 2006, June 2003, July 2002, May 2001, and May 2000 were all sub 300. June 2003 was a 192 inning percentage, so it can get worse. <laughs> um, but then Brutal. you skip ahead from July 2007, 16 years later, to July 2023, where with a couple days left to play, the Rays have a 285 winning percentage in the month of july and my pr my problem there is one it's not fun to lose but two some people within the organization outside of the organization are framing this as a bump in the road and i'm sorry when you're playing one of the worst months and, and it stretches into june too because they weren't playing super yes. great in june uh it's more than a bump in the road like i think there are real issues I'm not going to try to pinpoint what started it, what caused it, if it was health, if it was just they were just running incredibly hot. Um, but I think standing here July 29th and saying, look, guys, we're, we're still in a great spot. We're, we're only a game and a half out. That's the wrong way to look at it. Um, not to say that they can't bounce back, but it's not. I'm, I'm not just sitting here thinking, oh, don't worry, they'll, they'll snap out of it. I, I agree in that regard. Now, I think there's a very solid... I think it's very reasonable and I don't think it's incorrect to say you take your best month and you take your worst month and you can just like toss those out because those can be your outliers. And that's true. So April was the exact inverse of this where yeah. they won everything. They won like basically every game and were amazing and uh, unbeatable. And then July, they've been awful, terrible. Can't, can't, uh, pitching has actually been okay, but like the, the offense has been like cratered out, like one of the league's worst. Uh, so you put those together and you 
in the middle, in the middle, in the middle months, it does look a lot better, a lot more solid. Not a great team, but like a very like division contending team. Right. Right. So the that's team that's not as good I, as the I, Orioles. For a team that is well, I mean, the Orioles have been more consistent. That's the, that's the big difference, right? The Orioles have not been swept in any series. Wow. The Rays have been swept several times. Uh, they have a 72 series streak of not being swept dating back to last year, which is start closing in on like those, like, I don't know, St. Louis Maroons and other random, yeah. like, again, the teams that played in back lots in between uh, steel shifts. Um, but the thing about the, like, throwing out the bottom the worst month and the best month to me where I think you, yes, true do that, but let's not just, let's not disregard this month is that the first month is when that best month happened in April. And that's when everybody's healthy and everybody's coming into the season at their peak. And now the worst month is in to the dog days of summer or getting to it where people are healthy or people are just worn down. And so I, or where pitchers have figured out adjustments that batters have made. So I do think the timing of this, if like you started off with your worst month and then this was the best month, I would sort of disregard that first month a little bit more. But now I, I really do think like, not that July is the true talent level of the team, but I do think this is not to be ignored. And there is serious concerns about this club because of the fact that there have been maybe adjustments made to Josh Lowe that mm -hmm. he he cannot recover from. I think they're like I think like guys like Taylor Walls, like Grant Hunt, but you look at his history and his uh, sample size, and you're like, I'm probably assuming that this the good is the outlier and not what ended up you know he becoming. And I think you look at July and you think, okay, it's not going to be this bad, but I don't know how much I just, at this point, I think there's a fair question is how much higher will they regress when they do regress back towards the mean? How high is that mean? And I think June and July has lowered that mean to me for this season, because yeah. I think the bats have been relatively healthy, but I think what we've seen is that there are some some struggles that may just be like persistent. And this is stuff that we saw coming into last year as well. And down the stretch in September and into uh, the October series with Cleveland, a lot of those same questions about this, this club and generating offense are still now present. And while April and then into May was, was like a really great start, we have seen now two solid months where those trends have like kind of reverted back to what we saw in September of last year and October of last year. Yeah. Josh Lowe. I do want to talk about Josh Lowe and I've, I've probably been pretty harsh on Josh Lowe. Um, but I think with, with good reason, right. Uh, since June one, um, where do I have it here? Since June one, Josh Lowe has a 66 WRC plus. He is walking just 5% of the time. He's striking out 34.5% of the time. Those numbers are only uh, bested by Jose Siri, who has 10 home runs in that span. Josh Lowe, just two home runs. Does have nine stolen bases. I'll give him credit where credit is due. He has been really solid on the bases. I notice him going first to third a lot and, and taking an extra base when he can. Um, but 
is also proven to be a below average corner outfielder. Um, and I just don't know how I can view Josh Lowe going forward. These are the same problems we saw he had last year. It's why he got sent down. Then he turns out and he looks like an all-star for the first two months of the season. Um, but he has reverted back to the same struggles uh, that caused him to be sent down last year. So I, I don't know. Like I, I don't, the only issue here is with the trade deadline coming up and I don't know what the Rays should do at this point, but the, like the only like smart, reasonable upgrade to Josh Lowe that you could go out and get on the trade market would be, I don't know, like Juan Soto, <laughs> which, <laughs> but like a, slight upgrade, yeah. a serious, like, like Ian Happ would be someone who maybe mm-hmm. the Cubs would, but he's like just signed to an extension. Um, like there's just not a lot of like reasonable, that would be like a, a noticeable upgrade to Josh Lowe. And there's nobody in AAA that could come up uh, that's a left-handed bat that can play the outfield. Not for the outfield, no. And I think this is where, because we talked about the start of the season, like trying out some guys and then potentially getting like your your um, kind of veteran guy, like a David Peralta type. And so there are those types that are like maybe an upgrade of floor where you're like, oh, this guy can be, you know, he's not gonna not going to be like a, a super impact, but like, Jordan Luplo, uh, you know, David Peralta, solid outfield, David DeJesus back in the day. Like, you know, those mm-hmm. type of like, this guy is like fine for a role. Like if he's going to be the lefty platoon guy and they can play okay, you know, passable outfield, that's something I think the Rays could definitely get. Um, the question there, I think, and, and we'll sort of talk about this in the trade deadline part, but like that, that is, you know, this is the question right now with this team is how do you upgrade and the and it's really tricky because you have to basically you have to make some really tough decisions right now. Josh Lowe still has another option year, mm-hmm. but like, do you use that? Do you burn that option year and say we need an upgrade? And how much of an upgrade can you get from that? And is that worth it? And the other one, so I have the the list of since June 1st, uh, the WRC plus on the team. Uh, okay. Who, who has, and, I, and this is dropped to uh, minimum play appearance is zero. So, because there, there, it hasn't been a ton. So I don't want to, don't want to necessarily have that, but I want, I want you to take a guess. Who is the, the top uh, WRC plus performer in these last two months and who is the uh, worst? Okay, I kind of know the answer. Um, oh, you know Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the same screen pulled up. Um, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, then just say what. <laughs> then you can so just tell Luke Rayleigh leads the team yeah. in WRC+. Plus, yeah. Um, running 400 BABIP, um, but still hitting for power. Super sustainable. And, yeah, yeah, very but, much. Like, <laughs> he's still performing very well. He's, like, playing pretty well at first base. Um, I don't remember who was worst. Is it, like, maybe, maybe, maybe Bethancourt? Christian Bethencourt? Yeah, Bethencourt is the word. Technically, Rene Pinto, but, like, he's played two games. So, like, I don't really count that. Christian Bethencourt, who has 100 played appearances, has a 19 WRC+. Plus, which which improved over the last two days from 14. Uh, he, he has been basically... I mean, but uh, here's the thing. Yes, that's awful. That's, that's awful. So, but... Upgrading catcher is like every team would love to do that, but like that's really hard to do. Yeah. And do in a way that you also have like a 
a good defensive backstop, right? right? So and like someone that okay, can work with the staff. You could bring in Sal Perez, but that's a, expensive in terms of trade costs, probably. Um, even though he's a rental, but like I don't know, the Kansas City is going to want a lot for that, and he's not good at defense. Not great. I mean, yeah. he's he he had his day, but he's definitely he's old. And his bat has also been really bad in the second <laughs> half too. So that's not really a great upgrade. He is a veteran though. So like, I think he would totally integrate well into this. And there is, we have seen that his bat can like really pop and his defense isn't so atrocious that like it's unplayable, but it's, it's not Christian Bethancourt level, which, which is a, which is an issue. Um, the yeah. other ones underperforming in this month. So you have Randy Rosarena at 97, Wander Franco at 82. So like those, those are their own conversation. We, we, we should talk about them next, but because those are like, those are your star level players and that's who you need to perform, mm -hmm. but they're just, they're not performing. But the other guys where you can look at, like, you're not upgrading those guys. So whatever, you just have to endure it. The other guys that are on this list that are, that are questions. You have Harold Ramirez as your, as your primary DH is at 92 which is not awful, but like very middling uh, and not great your, for DH. Not to go off on too far of a tangent, but is he your primary DH anymore? Because Yandy Diaz... Against lefties. Against lefties. But, but Yandy Diaz has been like hurt the whole year, I think, and mm. now even more so. And if they, they've tried to keep him off the IL as much as possible, or like, is he the DH now? Are they going to need to take him off of first base for pretty much the remainder of the season? That's an interesting question. And and possibly, I mean, I think if that'll like give him you can't like you can't lose Yandi. He's right. And he's that, been a persistent performer. So whatever, whatever medically, yeah. If it if keeps Rays, him less dinged up. If the Rays thought they could go, you know, two weeks without Yandi Diaz in the lineup, he probably would have had his IL stint already. Like he did get some right. extended time off. Well, he kind of for the all-star break, although he had to play in the game. He, he did have to run. fly out and he and then a home run. Then home they run and, kind of yeah. have a, a little bit of an extended paternity leave, I think, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And again, probably just some more rest. But then he comes back and he tweaks something again, and just so like I, I think it changes Harold Ramirez's role and really the construction of the lineup and of the roster. If Yandi has got to be the DH moving forward this year to keep him healthy, not only for this year, but the Rays also sign him to an extension. It's in their best interest mm -hmm. to keep him healthy long-term as well that's true but that's true i i don't like i think harold ramirez's role is i don't know i, I could see him i don't know what's going to happen with him so that's the that is the interesting question right is if you need a first baseman you do not want harold there long term luke Rayleigh has played a shockingly passable first base he's had a couple even highlight plays so luke Rayleigh being um pretty good defensively in the outfield shockingly fast for somebody of his just shape like he just doesn't look like he's like a big muscular guy who just doesn't run very pretty he is not nobody's gonna confuse him for tom cruise running form but uh he he runs very effective and he's played really well at first base so like that that's super useful i think that puts him and it, and thankfully he is the lefty so he he will play the majority of the time there um but yeah i mean i think Harold Ramirez, you don't really want him in the outfield. You don't want him at first. So this bat hasn't been that great, but he is a great clubhouse guy. 
he is definitely like one of the guys that the team really loves and responds to. So what do you do there? Like it, this is, I, I look at the two big ones. We'd mentioned Josh Lowe, talked about Harold Ramirez. The other one in that list is uh, Manuel Margot, who has been not the same player since the injury in New York last year. Yeah. Um, he's definitely been struggling mightily at, at the plate. And so I, he's another guy though. That's like a clubhouse leader. He's a vet. He's uh, beloved. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the bench right now is really weak. Um, your, your bench. That's, that's the problem. Given yeah. your, your, your starting lineup, you know, you expect for Wander to bounce back. Um, it's been pretty downhill for him since he was benched. And we weren't quite sure if that was going to be a, maybe a moment where he, he turns it up or maybe a moment where, he struggles afterwards and maybe uh, I'm not going to claim to know what's going on inside his head or inside the Rays locker room. Um, but that has been kind of a clear point in the season where it has not gone well for him afterwards. A Rosarena, I do have confidence in maybe, I don't know, the new hair that he has will help. Um, it may be. Um, Brandon Lau. It helps Siri. Yeah. Brandon Lau has bounced back really well like mm-hmm. i do believe if the back is not an issue and i do I, I think to some extent it will be probably for the rest of his career or life that's kind of what happens yeah. when you have a bad back that's what that's back injuries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but if when he's healthy like i expect him to be a contributor he has been mm-hmm. yandy diaz is going to continue to hit luke rayleigh i don't know like i'm enjoying it while it lasts but maybe he is just a good big league hitter um, Paredes, I have a lot of faith in, and then yeah. you look at like Jose Siri. I, I don't like. I, I particularly don't care how much he strikes out. Like he's going to provide elite defense in center field. He's quick. He doesn't steal a lot of bases, but he is fast on the bases, um, and he's ru- going to run into a few. So like, I'm okay mm-hmm. with the trade off of he's going to strike out 35 percent of the time for a guy like Jose Siri. And I'm kind of the same way with Bethancourt. I really value his defense. In, in the way he works with the pitching staff. So like, I don't care if he hits or not. I agree with both of those. I think that, I think when you have your eight, nine and the Rays have done this a lot too, is when you had uh, Kiermaier and Zunino, it's like, these are not your guys you're leaning on for offense, but what they provide is like great bonus. Cause like what their main job is, is really valuable. And it's yeah. back when like they had Jose Molina back there. Like, this team has valued the the value of defensive catchers and defensive center fielders. And they've said the bat is its own thing. We'll, we'll worry about that later, but this, your primary job is working with those pitchers, blocking, getting stolen bases, knocked down and framing. And so with yeah. center field, like Siri, the, here's the thing. Siri's offense has been just more than enough more than enough for what he provides defensively so and last night uh he the first game against houston um he he basically almost single-handedly won the the game in the ninth he got a base hit stretch it to a double Mm -hmm. uh out of nowhere like out of like absolutely kind of kind of caught Corey jolks uh sleeping out there in the short crawford boxes yeah he's a terrible Um, outfielder jolks he's a dh for sure he is he is but like that's a it's a short throw. That's not yeah. much. And Siri just saw him kind of jogging it uh, over there. And he just like blasted through 
took third thanks to an incredible, I don't know how Christian Bethencourt made contact after those two bunt attempts, the worst two bunt attempts I've maybe ever seen. It was like if somebody was like, here's baseball, try to bunt. And you're like, wow, no, I don't know what to do. And that was, it looked like that. But then Bethencourt got a, a fly ball. Yandy got a fly ball. Series speed did the rest. Bethencourt so has played for Oakland and Tampa Bay. I can't imagine he's ever practiced bunting for the, With, those just two no organizations. Buns. No bunts, all dingers. He's like, what even is a bunt? You had to probably <laughs> look it up on YouTube real quick to be like, okay, yeah, I hold the bat and then, okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's not, it's not a lot of times. And that's something a lot of people come up with is like, you know, why don't the, the team bunt more? It's like, they just, I mean, the, I don't know how. Who? <laughs> Who? Who does it? You know, like Josh Lowe I mean, should like, maybe start. I think maybe try to drop down. He's he's fast guy too. Right. Maybe get to first. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where I look at. So so sort of transitioning into how to improve this offense. Besides, I mean, like the the one option is you just say this is it, and let's hope it gets better, hmm. which is an option. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be one of the the clearest paths forward because there really isn't that much to trade. And this market has been a very strong seller's market so far. They, there's been some really nice prospects moved for pretty mediocre yeah. like upgrades. So that that's you don't want to go too necessarily expensive there. The other option is like catcher, you would have to trade from outside because this is pretty much all we got. Um, but is it worth, gonna, is, is it going to be worth sp- spending the prospect capital, which is always going to be, they're always going to pay a tax at the deadline mm-hmm. to bring in a, like, it, I, I just don't think there are any catchers out there that make the raise that much better. That no. it would be worth the cost of the prospects it would take to bring them in. I, I don't, I don't, I agree. Like I, I like, you know, there's been uh Jan Gomes from the Cubs has been brought up, but like, are, Gomes. are they selling now? Like they're, they're winning again. Like, and that's the, I mean, that's the fun thing about this. And I will say, I, I am excited for the trade deadline because this year in particular, it's like very unknown who's buying and selling. Uh, or I mean, buying, yes, but like selling, there's a lot of teams that are on the fringes there. Right. Um, but yeah, no, maybe the Cubs aren't selling, but even still, like Jan Gomes, is that like really like the answer for, the team tom murphy from the mariners yeah, but like 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 these are like this is okay if if mejia is out for an extended period of time and the rays know that then then maybe you go so, for someone with a little more experience than renee pinto but the, the race you know is a free agent i don't want to go there again just say as much as i know you love get mike Zanino. get mike back to florida baby the florida sun it's like superman and the yellow sun of earth he just needs it, it i would love <laughs> to see mike Zeno go into coaching and managing maybe um i don't know how much run if any he's got um at the big league level but the Rays seem to really like renee pinto like they've kept him around they've like they, he, he's a solid solid major league i mean here's the thing though it's like a renee pinto is like probably some, like somebody else like on another team would be like oh maybe we'll add renee pinto to improve our like i mean that's the thing is like everybody's yeah. probably looking at their catchers except for like about seven teams being like Ugh, ugh i guess this is the best we got but it's like, like, what, like are they going to trade what basabe for salvador perez i don't feel comfortable with that like the royals probably value salvador perez higher than anyone else because 
He won a World exactly. Series there. He is one of yeah. two players in baseball that is officially a captain, the captain yes. of that team. Like, I just, yeah. I don't think, I don't know what the Royals front office thought process is, but like, I, I is he as valuable for the Rays as he is with Kansas City? And are we willing to pay that cost to get marginally better? And how much of that would be Kansas City being like, we would rather not have a fringe prospect and just like have Salvador Perez like retire a Royal. Right. Like the value. I mean, like, I don't know. Again, like we've seen sort of teams just make those choices to be like, this is worse for the team in the long run, but we're just going to do it for. Yeah. Because of this. I don't know. It's, it's a very difficult, it's a difficult question is how do you upgrade? So like Harold Ramirez, Manuel Margot, Josh Lowe, Christian Bethencourt, that's, that's the like, these mm-hmm. are the players that are most underperforming for the longest period of time. And how do you upgrade them? And the problem is Bethencourt, hard to upgrade, but also like his value as a catcher primarily is probably enough to keep him in the lineup, even with the bad bat. Uh, so I think you may just have to leave him there and hope. And then unless there's a deal that like really like shines through to at least give him a partner. Right. I think that would be the thing. Uh, two, Harold Ramirez and Manuel Margot. Uh, Margot's defense in the outfield is probably enough to keep him there. And just he's still signed for another year. Like, yeah, it's one of those things where you may be thinking about it. Josh Lowe is a young prospect. Like, he is a former top five prospect. Like, this is the guy that this is the type of guy that when people are like Jonathan Aranda and Curtis Meter right there, it's like Josh Lowe was them. Well, so like there's so many fans and I think the Rays fans are guilty of this maybe more than other fan bases. It's like we're always there's a few people in particular. <laughs> I won't name names that are just always like ready for the next prospect the next to come up. Yeah. It's like there's only 26 spots and we talk about it all the time. Like we've had a whole podcast dedicated to the fact that rookies are not really good ever. <laughs> like very rarely does a very, rookie come up. Yeah. And Josh Lowe went through those rookie struggles and then he seemed to have fixed them. Maybe I hope somewhere like if Josh Lowe is somewhere in the middle from April, May and June, July. Yeah. You're not going to try to rep- like upgrade on that because that's right. a decent player. Um, right. I worry about that. Like being the case though, because he's always had strikeout issues and he's mm-hmm. never been able to hit a fastball. Um, and I just worry about him in the postseason. but it's like, I look at the bench right now, like, Right now, the Rays benches Rene Pinto, Vidal Brujan, Manuel Margot, and Harold Ramirez. Other than Harold Ramirez against a lefty, but maybe against a righty too, coming off the bench, like you have no pinch hitters. No. Like you, and, and right now you've got between Rayleigh, Lau, and Lowe, like three lefties where you know they're going to be together or within one spot in the lineup at at some point. You know whether it's like Lau hitting fifth and Lowe hitting seventh. Like mm-hmm. once we get into postseason baseball, like teams can attack that really well. And you have no way to bring someone off the bench to change things up. Like I, I, I just, I, I, I've completely shifted and we're going to go into our whole trade deadline preview, but I've shifted where I think this team needs help because let's talk about the pitching. The pitching yeah. has been like bullpen and starting rotation has been really, really good. <laughs> Um, despite this team p- playing so poorly. Um, and, and there's reinforcements on the way internally 
Um, guys like Andrew Kittredge getting ready to come back and, and Josh Fleming getting ready to come back, who I think would be um, probably an upgrade on that, like to just have some bulk innings in there, take some heat off the bullpen. Um, Yanni Chirinos, I think, I think he's probably a little better than Yanni Chirinos still. Um, just going to help us get through these last couple months. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, I mean, Kittredge cannot be understated how much of a big impact, like that's, that's the type of big relief pitcher you want to acquire at the deadline. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that, so that's, that's nice to have him there. They also have some prospects, you know, like Colby White, who they thought really highly of, um, who's uh, been pitching well in the minors kind of recovering as well. So you might have him, you know, get a, get a, get a cup of coffee and, and a, and a try there and who knows. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think pitching wise, the biggest question, you know, Fleming coming back is huge for depth. The biggest question there. And again, at the deadline, most of the time you can get like pitching rather than offense. So being in this, the raised position of like having some real questions in offense is, is a, the worst possible place to be in at the deadline yeah. because pitching wise, you can, there's like so many options out there and you kind of just have to pick like how much of an upgrade do you want? How much is like just shuffling things around but the pitching has been great. Like, I think that's, you know, starter and reliever combined. The Rays are the third best in uh, Fangraph's war of pitching since June 1st. They still have the least runs given up by any team in baseball on the season. So I, I think pitching wise, they're good. I think they still need a little more depth in the length department. So adding a starter could be nice. I don't know if it's, pay a premium to add any starter type of panic level, especially with Josh Lowe getting closer. Uh, I think looking at an, a real upgrade is there. And I think, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Rays being tied into Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox. And that was met with like <laughs> the most like pretty roundly, like all Rays fans being like, no, thanks. No, thank you. Uh, I was looking here. forward to it. Like I, I, you were again, in, you were on in, in the yeah. length department, like he's a guy that you really can't take the ball from, which maybe would have made for some interesting mound visits and from, from the manager. But <laughs> I, I know he's been really bad this year, but I just have always kind of liked Lance Lynn's workhorse aura. And so, mm-hmm. As someone who I don't like, I don't know what his role would have been in the postseason because you're not going to start him over McClanahan, Glassnow, or Eflin. Um, but maybe like, is he open to working behind an opener? I don't know. I was, I was there's a lot of those are a lot of questions that I had. Was like this maybe the Rays had too. Crotchety old guy. Down. Yeah, <laughs> this crotchety old guy. How does he really want to? Here. He, I mean, I, the rate he did say he would lift the, the no trade yeah. clause. But so I feel like if you're in Chicago right now, you're like any boat out of this Harbor, I'll take it. Any, anyone out, whichever team, get me out of here. Um, But I, so you were in on Lance Lynn. I was not, I was tentatively, but I had so, I had too many questions um, about like demeanor with, the clubhouse uh dealing with Ray's pitching and like he's not good third time through the order he's actually one of the worst pitchers in baseball this year um he hasn't been that great first or second time through the order either but he's really bad it like falls off a cliff third time through the order um it's one of those things where i i was like oh man this is uh, it's okay like he he 
some of the underlying metrics are better. Um, still has like a, a 4x FIP. Like, so like even the expected stats were like saying like, this guy's not that great this year. But I, I think for me, I was just like, I, I don't know if I've ever really fully bought in on Lance Lynn as a player. And this year it's sort of like that confirmation bias of like, yeah, this is who I thought he was instead of all those years where he was like wildly succeeding and doing really well. Like, I don't want to say anything. Like Lance Lynn's been a great MLB pitcher. He's been really, really good for a long time. This year, just older fastballs lost a little bit of velocity and that might've been enough to like finish him off. But I don't know, like it, it's, that's a move that's fine. Um, the the price tag ended up coming in pretty, I think it was like a the 15th overall prospect for the uh dodgers yeah it was um they got uh the dodgers ended up coming in and getting lance lynn and joe kelly mm-hmm. uh uh which i also kind of like joe kelly he's also had a bad year this year but like relievers i don't know that can they can have a you can turn that around in a the, second the strikeout yeah. stuff is still there so like i'd be all yeah. like i'd be all on and, and that made the trade more intriguing i'm like oh if the race could have gotten lynn and kelly it's like okay we know we're gonna get decent innings from Lance Lynn. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what the results are going to look like, but it's not like the results for that fifth spot in the rotation have been great for the Rays anyways. And you're going to get Joe Kelly who can throw the ball hard and get strikeouts. Like, and maybe give you a meme. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe give you a meme. Um, So the deal was Nick uh, Nastrini, uh, uh, right-hand pitcher. And, and then, uh, also, Clay Thompson's brother was thrown in that deal as well. And, and Jordan, Jordan Leisure, a lot who was my, former, my Little League teammate. I played with him oh. at East Bay Little League. He is a Riverview, Florida native. So it was cool to see him get moved. I wanted to see him kind of stay in the Dodgers organization because they just do awesome things with pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. But I think being with the White Sox will give him a really good chance to get up to the get big Get there leagues. fast, yeah. Yeah, maybe this yeah. year. He was at the University yeah. of Tampa. Uh, was where he was drafted out of in the 14th round. So, yeah, looking at these, like, I mean, in general, if you're trying to do a, a comparison, that's maybe like something like a Basabe type of thing. If the But if the Rays would have to have eaten all the money, basically. Or like a Basabe and a Cole Wilcox, maybe? Like, I don't... Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, which, for Lynn? Uh, yeah, no, I, I can understand being yeah. uncomfortable with that. Like... I, I definitely thought there was risk involved. I didn't think this was like yeah. a no-brainer, the Rays must trade for him. But I was interested in like seeing that come to fruition. Um, but they they just, and the Rays will never do this, they didn't get in a bidding war. Like they're not going no. to get caught up uh, in this. And they thought the price was too high. And maybe that's how some of the reporting came out that like what day, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but it was, I thought we were going to see the pass-in or the Rosenthal tweet like at any time, like I was just waiting for it. Um, mm-hmm. you got in the, they're involved in serious discussions. That's usually the next step before they've reached a deal. Right. Um, maybe it was the White Sox trying to send out these flares out. Trying to hey, get that extra bit of anyone else yeah, want Lance Lynn? Value. The Dodgers were maybe they were in it the whole time or they came in at the last second. The Dodgers, this deadline are just like, who's got a big negative war? We'll take them. Yeah, Keith Hernandez, they bring back. Keith Hernandez, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, and uh, Ahmed Rosario. But the, all this three is, guys. This is what the Dodgers do. Water. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very fascinating, like, deadline of, like, what are they cooking over there? 
We're, they also have Jason Hayward in the yeah. outfield. They got JD Martinez. Last year they went like, got Joey Gallo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like a very interesting. And then just like James Outman is like the like here here's the young guy that that can that can like I don't know play the music for the old guys. It's I think what it is for the Dodgers is one they they can spend an absurd amount of money, right? So they're not worried about bringing in all of these guys that are making millions of dollars. So even if you prorate that, what they're going to pay for the rest of the season, like it's still mm-hmm. a lot of money, more money than the Rays would be comfortable bringing in. Even though I do think they're willing to spend more right now. The okay. Rays will go out and find these guys at the trade deadline that have the potential to do something really well. So maybe, you know, they go out and got Pete Fairbanks a few years ago. Like they find guys that maybe haven't accomplished it yet, where I feel like the Dodgers will try to bring in these like reclamation projects where it's like, yeah, you know what you've done in the past. We can afford to ha- bring you in and spend, you know, $5 million to pay out the rest of your contract. Let's try to recreate that on top of the star power they already have in Betts and Freeman and, Urias and uh, Evan Phillips, who they've turned into a stud closer, uh, but they've still got the stud Will Smith, um, and then they're yeah. just bring, filling in the rest of the roster with these veterans. I'm looking at their position players: one, two, three, four. Miguel five, Rojas, six, right? They have also Miguel Rojas. Seven. They've it's got like... ten players over the age of thirty in their active roster on the position player side. That's not even counting the pitchers. Um, so they wild. love filling it in with wild. these veteran players. But I mean, it it works for them pretty well. Like. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since the World Series, but um, Andrew Friedman clearly has, they have a plan and they'll try to execute it. So fair play to them. Oh, that's, I mean, does do would they be interested in a Manuel Margot or a Harold Ramirez? Like those are vets. I don't know. Like they kind of already, they're have, not former like, all-stars. Like they have Chris Taylor. Like they have these players. Like I don't, like they don't need they them. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someone does. Like, I would love to be able to trade Ramirez for a pitcher that is interesting and replace him with maybe a, a Curtis Mead or something on the roster. Like, I think that's a possibility. But so, so let's let's we're now into the trade talk. So let's let's talk right. about yeah. Let's dive in. Okay, let's talk about trades. So uh, last coming into this deadline, I look at you know Manuel Marco and I look at Harold Ramirez and I look at like very tough question marks about veterans who are well liked who have uh, have had a big impact on this team, who maybe are fan favorites and clubhouse favorites. And then how do you replace those guys? Well, the thing is, I think about last year and uh, you go down the stretch and the Rays DFA'd Brett Phillips, who's a bigger local legend and star than both of those guys. And he was struggling really bad really bad and it and and i i hope to see him eventually you kind of reclaim i think maybe i like the idea there's been you know some people saying like maybe just switch to pitching all term like actually go in on it like i think that would be kind of fun uh but you know they they had no problem going out and saying we need an upgrade at at center field Meyer's hurt he's out for the rest of the year uh, Brett Phillips is not doing it. Got to think about the long-term Let's future get, of the position. Think about the long-term future. Let's go get Jose Siri. And that was a, that was a nice big impact. I mean, he scored the run that the Rays scored in the postseason. Uh, <laughs> so really? he had the home run. Yeah. He only uh, did home run that game. Yeah. So, so, uh, Jose Siri was a, was a great pickup. And that was at, that was replacing a, like fan favorite, right? A, a tough one, a tough move to make. 
in terms of like clubhouse dynamics and stuff like that. But the Rays are a team that can like kind of handle that really well. So do we see Harold Ramirez traded and replaced? And like, what does that look like? Do you trade Harold Ramirez? Do you, you get for just, you know, whatever, like a, a lot of ticket or cash considerations. And then basically open a spot for Curtis Mead who can then play first base. You know, you have a guy like if you are putting Andy at DH more often, you need a guy. So maybe you go with Aranda or Mead to be called up. Not saying that's like the guaranteed win, because again, we've said prospects may not, but both of those guys have have probably proven that they they belong in the majors and at least getting an extended shot, especially Aranda. It's yeah. just it's just, you know, how how do you get that there? So I, I maybe I still struggle to see Aranda's fit where he is going to maybe he is just that bat off the bench, but is that really something that a rookie is ready? Like that is a different role, a different mindset. These young players that the Rays always put an emphasis on, we want you to be where you're going to get the most opportunities to play. And for Aranda, that's been at triple a, because if Brandon Lau is hurt, like that changes things. Or if any of the other left-handed bats, or if Luke Rayleigh got hurt, like, Okay, yes. we need a Ronda. Um, but right now, he he would be on the bench most nights. And you'd he, I think you'd rather have Vidal Brujan on the bench, as tough as that is to say, be, because of that versatility. I'm not like I'm not the biggest Vidal Brujan fan, um, but he, I just I still struggle. Mead, I think, could come up like and replace Ramirez's role and be fine. Um, but is there someone, a, a more veteran presence, that you could bring in um, that, that like not Nelson Cruz 2.0, maybe someone a little younger than that, that even if you, they perform on like the lower half of your expectations, they're still Mm -hmm. a decent role player, right? Like Nelson Cruz was, we had started to see him kind of downturn with Minnesota. And then he just kind of bottomed out with the Rays and never really, he had like a decent, like some decent moments with Washington and then was released by, uh, the Padres this year. So yes. I, I, maybe you bring in someone with a higher floor, right? Where, okay, even if they struggle, we know what they can provide. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know who that is. Like maybe uh, Candelario from from Washington, switch hitter, so a little more mm-hmm. versatile. Um, Candelario would be an interesting get. That would be an interesting get because he feels very crazy, can play first and third. Uh, and you have Isak Paredes there that can like switch around with them. And so would basically be like another, another like Yandi type of type of guy in there. Right. So like DH first, you know, Paredes, Yandi and, and Condelario all kind of in that first third DH, you know, and he's rotation, a true rental. He's true rental. like, like $2 million for the rest of the year. So relatively yeah. cheap. Um, Playing extremely well. Yeah. Like, very, very well. Yeah, having yeah, having a really good year, sixteen home runs. Like, I don't know what the cost is. I guess it depends on how many other teams are interested. But it feels like that's a guy who just fits what the Ray like. He does bring up that floor a little bit, and has somewhat of a decent ceiling. Like you could see him starting postseason games for the Rays, but you could also Absolutely. see him relegated relegated to like a pinch hitting role, and um, based on the matchup that day. Um, it just, I don't know. It makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think the cost would be relatively high. Um, and at the end of the day, like 
I, I think Basabe is a name that just gets mentioned a lot because he's clearly like a good prospect. He's not, you know, super high level prospect, but he again won't have a spot on this roster unless like multiple injuries happen. And so maybe he goes so, to Washington and gets a chance to play at some point. So this is my this is my question. And this is a question for all all race fans listening as well, is the Rays will. There's two categories here with three three parts, and I and I'll and I'll we'll do it first. But then if you're listening at home, you can do it. You can play along too. The Rays will be very active at the deadline. The Rays will not be active at the deadline, and by not active, maybe like a shuffle a, a Rule Five piece here and there for like you know yeah. just the small small like changing some deck chairs but not not like adding like even like a heimer condelario level like guy like not a guy that's going to get starts maybe just like maybe a reliever fringe guy so the rays will be active the rays will not be active and so pick one of those and then in that category that's a good thing that's okay or that's a bad thing so that that's the prediction Mm. is the rays will be active the rays will not be active and is that a good thing Okay, and that's a bad thing. I think I think the Rays will be active. Like I, I expect by active, can I be like more than one trade? Like if they make two yeah. trades that affect the the big league roster, not not trades of like Austin Shenton for like a single A. Yeah, like yeah, that's exactly like not like saying. a rule, not like I do a think rule five. Happen. Well, yeah, but like so, like rule five guys for n- further off prospects. I'm- I think is not necessarily active. That's more like pre, you know. I think my prediction is they bring in a position player um, that's not going to automatically crack the starting lineup. So maybe something similar to like the Eric Sogard trade from 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a, like a position player, like, okay, like I know who that is. I think they'll be decent. But the high end of that would be like Candelario. So they're not going to go out and get like the Juan Sotos of the world. Obviously, Shohei Otani's off the table. Um, so one decent position player, a role player, and then one pitcher that can provide innings. So maybe that's a bulk pitcher. Maybe that's a more traditional starter that they can use um, in that fifth spot through the rotation. I like. I think those two plus a couple like housekeeping trades, like I could see moving in, in Austin Shenton or – I don't know, maybe a Cameron Misner if there's a taker for him. Um, but like, I would consider that active, like two to three trades, a um, mm-hmm. couple of them Im- impacting the big league roster. And, and I think that will be a good thing. Like, I think I, I think the, the, the roster can always be improved. And I think there are now that we've seen both ends of the spectrum, how great this team can be and how bad this team can be. Um, I think that can only be a good thing. I think we can pinpoint how the roster can be improved. I think the Rays will be active at the deadline, and I think that's okay. I I I I think I'm not in the the Rays need to be active and need to buy at this deadline because I I just I think there's been a lot of talk you know from Peter Bendix about how like this is a very special team and that we need to add to it because this might be the best talent level the team's ever had. I I I just don't really agree i think this is a good team i think it's a playoff team i think it's a division contending team i don't know if it's the best team in the american league east or the american league 
but I think they are in that range that they can compete for that. But I don't really think there's that much at the deadline that would marketably change that outcome more than just regression. So I think they're going to be active because there's a lot of rule five guys. Like they got to, they got to make some moves. And I think that could be a good way to package some guys that are better than a lot of teams, top 30 talent. So you take a back end of the Rays top 30 is maybe a top 15 for another team to get like maybe another reliever or another solid mm-hmm. starter. And maybe you take one big swing at a guy that's controlled for more than two years or next year as well. Like, I mean, so, so basically you could take your chance at like a Jose Siri. Maybe you go after like a Paul Seawald from, Mm. from the Seattle Mariners. I've sort of talked about the Mariners a lot because I'm out here and I know their deficits and they're not selling. They're going to probably, I think the Mariners are going to do a very similar like buy sell type of deadline because they they need a lot of help but they're also in their contention window so it's sort of like they have one of the best starting rotations like in all of baseball and a really locked down bullpen and the offense has talent but like doesn't score runs so it's very it's very similar to just watching the Rays play baseball too Um, but they they have a black hole at second base and maybe they like look at you know Jonathan Aranda and they're like wow this guy could hit and yeah, we can't. So let's maybe bring him in and you put Aranda and Cole Wilcox and maybe another nice prospect and you package that for something big, maybe one of their relievers. I don't know. I could see the Rays making, I think the Rays make a trade for a player that's not a true rental. Yeah. I think the Rays make, a couple of trades for just, you know, housekeeping trades, you know, get a double A or single A guy that's multiple years away from rule five for a guy that is on rule five. And I think they maybe add a rental. Like, I think, I think the idea of like a veteran position player of some sort, I I could see. I don't know. Candelario just seems to make a lot of sense. Like I think he ticks all of those boxes. There are other guys that fit that bill as well. My worry is, is that there are other organizations in the American League, and I think specifically probably like the Rangers and the Astros, Mm. that have shown an ability to prioritize the here and now. Like Houston's always like been pretty aggressive at the trade deadline. Like the one year they went out and got Zach Greinke to add to their already stellar rotation, and he was still pretty good at that time. Um, I worry that, like the Rays could get passed in terms of talent levels by teams. And, and maybe the Rays are better off in the future. Like maybe the Astros or the Rangers spend too much of their prospect capital and they go out and they get a, you know, a, but like there's still a World Series to play for this year, right? And mm-hmm. I'd like to see the Rays compete for it. Um, that doesn't mean you need to go get Josh Hader to give yourself like a great chance of winning the World Series. Um, but it does make things difficult. Like say the Rangers go out and get, Josh Hader, and they have like a really problematic bullpen duo between him and Aroldis Chapman. Um, <laughs> but, a really, really, but a really good again. one, right? Like very good pitchers. Um, that would be scary, right? So maybe it's like the Rangers or the Astros go out and get Josh Hader. Um, you know, the Astros love their problematic relievers too. Um, they do. So somewhere that guy is shouting how much he loves Josh Hader down the street. <laughs> but but okay, maybe it's the wrong decision, right? Maybe they spend too much, 
but maybe mm-hmm. it's Josh Hader who's you know shutting down the Rays in the ALCS, and it's like, oh, but at least we didn't trade Curtis Mead as we go down quietly in the ninth inning, like every like, yeah, I I don't I'm not arguing for the Rays to go out and just spend the farm, bring in all these studs because I, that's not how the Rays operate, nor how it's not how they should operate. But I'm worried about other teams in the American League that the Rays will be competing with in September and October doing that and it putting the Rays at a disadvantage this year. Uh, With that being said, because I think the trade deadline, like you said, it's not only about this year, it's about looking forward to next year and and the talent level that the Rays could have next year when like the roster should look, there'll always be moves, there'll always be changes. The core of the roster shouldn't be going anywhere next year. Mm -hmm. Yandy, Wander, Randy should all be back. Um, McClanahan, Glasnow, Eflin should all be back. Eventually, you can add Rasmussen back to that mix or Jeffrey Springs, Taj Bradley, or Shane Boz. Maybe you have to make some rotation moves because you would just have an embarrassment of riches and there's no way to fit all those guys into a rotation. When it comes to pitching, especially guys coming back from injury, you just kind of like, that's a future, that's a future Eric and Peter problem that may never happen. Yeah, but someone else will get injured. Like, unfortunately, that's how it goes. And, we, we went into this year thinking, wow, we have like nine big league caliber starting pitchers, and now we're down to four. Um, so <laughs> now we're like, can Lance Lynn's seven <laughs> FIP come down to maybe just like five? So give up but, like three home runs a game, please. If, if this is, if you think this is like the Rays window, right? In this core you have for the, the rest of this year, next year, and then some of this core you'd expect to be back in 2025. I don't know what's going to happen with Randy as he gets closer to free agency, but Yandy signed to an extension. You've got Wander, um, McClanahan, Paredes. Like, where are these prospects going to come up? Like, we've got the core now. If the window's open now, maybe the time is now to strike at the trade deadline. But, like, again, I just don't know who's out there. Like, that you I think a lot of – I, I think for me, that's that's where I come down to it, right, is that I don't – I'm not into like, you know, prospect hugging where you're just like, uh, you can't ever trade a Curtis Mead or a Kyle Manzardo or a, a junior uh, Camonero. But I do think like those are just trades that you make in the off season. Like those yeah. are, I just, I, I, I am fundamentally opposed to the big deadline splash trades just just as my my own core because i love i hate the uh, for rentals now there's a totally different thing when you start the conversation for a guy that you want that could be a part of like this team for multiple years and you go well maybe we're right there let's just let's just do it now instead of like let's circle back to this in the off season so i think that's important i think that is important i think where it comes into problem is like your chris bryant or your Nelson Cruz, as we saw, like sometimes those type of trades are like kind of annoying because it's like, you're, you're basically baking on like a two month sprint and then a one month yeah. sprint. That might and be a week. Like does Chris Bryant, if, if the Rays got Chris Bryant last year, do they beat Cleveland? Uh, probably not. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, or two years maybe ago, he got a home run. Like it's, it's very tough, right? It's super, super tough to like, be like, does, is this what it, what it gets? No, I don't know. I think you look at, 
you look at the team and I think you look at all the moves that you can make, but I don't think it's, I just don't see the teams and, and you're right. I think there's a chance that like the Rangers do enough of the deadline to become a better team than the Rays. And that might be enough to win the series in come come October. But also I don't know if that would be because that the Rays didn't make moves at the deadline. Mm -hmm. And it's just that, you know, Randy went hot or went cold at the wrong time. Right. You know, I feel like it's still more down to that than like, oh, we couldn't beat Josh Hader and Raldis Chapman. And it's like, well, Wander went one for 15. There's always this debate, right? Of like, when a team is 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 not playing well, it's like the front office needs to do something. They just need to do something. Yeah. Maybe the players just need to play better. <laughs> like... We... I think there is some some there is some idea to the mentally to the, t- the to the players where the deadline definitely these are human beings right mm-hmm. so the deadline like they were there's a lot of quotes out from the Mariners clubhouse um, recently about like how like you know normally you come into the clubhouse and there's people playing video games and there's like music and like people are like watching something and you know watching like you know Netflix or something like that and then instead now like every TV is on like MLB network and yeah. everybody is just like checking their phone being like, everybody's on uh, happening X X. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's zeding about, uh, about uh, like where they're going to go. So there is this like cloud. I think that, that is tough around the deadline of players where you're like, man, my daughter's just got a recital coming up. But like, <laughs> I might, I might have to like, I am home. But if I'm still on this team, I'm home for that. But then, so like, I think there's like a level of stress that like around the deadline that does change after, but that when you are a team that adds a player that suddenly is like, well, the front office says things were pretty good. Right. This is, this is, we got a treat. We got it. We, we, we got, we went to McDonald's and got like, instead of being like, instead of let's look at the Mets and look at some of the comments that Max Scherzer has said, where apparently, uh, according to, to New York media, he was really livid about how, like, they traded their closer. Yeah. And uh, and it's like, yeah, David Robinson, is that is David Robertson the difference between, like, the Mets winning the World Series this year and not? Probably not. But, like, it's also a sign that, like, you like, guys stay and we're we're shipping off parts. It happened with the Mariners. And now Max is demanding a trade potentially. Who, who who was traded from the Mariners a couple of years ago to Houston? So in the series, directly after a walk off home run win by the Mariners in Seattle, facing Houston that evening, Kendall Graveman, who had pitched the previous day, was traded or the or the first game of the series to Houston. Yeah. So they switched locker rooms and there was the most awkward stuff afterwards where, where players were asked and Graven was asked and everyone was like, man, this is weird. This feels awful. And I hate everything about this. Wasn't and it's he like, just traded to Houston again. He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Houston and LA are like, let's just get, the, get those guys back. We already have like Kike and, and Kelly. We Joe just Kelly. already have their jerseys still <laughs> like, let's just, let's just let I, I don't know. I don't want to learn new names. These guys, <laughs> we're just like, we're just going to bring them back. Dave Roberts is like, oh, let's get Joe Kelly warm. And they're like, we don't have Joe Kelly anymore. He's like, okay, fine. Let's just go get Joe Kelly again. So I can keep. <laughs> but it, you're right. Because. In- and it's an awkward situation. And the, the Mariners ended up winning more games without Kendall Graveman. Yeah. 
than, than like they did before. Like, you know, that was like afterwards. It was a fine, like whatever trade, but like it was a very weird signal trade. And it was like a very like emotional toll on the team of like, what the heck's happening? But sometimes making a move can help. It can be like something, but you, it's not like a, a, a panacea. It doesn't like automatically fix everything. If you just like make a trade, um, you have to be like, potentially adding something is helpful. Whether that's a major impact on the field, it can be a major impact mentally, Yeah. but you don't necessarily need to like change the entire roster because then, then that does add a little weird element that you have to gel for two months real quick. Right. And I think it's so easy to fall in and I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of us are, you just, we're just clicking in, typing in names on baseballtradevalues.com and Ooh, yeah, I wonder yeah. if we can move him there across the country and uproot yeah. his whole life. And <laughs> like I did in, I, I play out of the park baseball a lot. And it's like, even when you trade someone that like, there is some clubhouse, uh, like there's a team morale aspect of the game. I don't know how much of an impact it actually has on wins and losses, but you'll trade away like a leader and like, it'll say like the clubhouse is upset that you traded so-and-so and I just hit delete message and I move on. It's like, all right, cool. We're, we're trying to win. <laughs> uh, or fan, fan interest decreases noticeably. Ah, I don't care. Like I, I, I got this really cool catcher. That's a switch hitter and is a good defender. Like it, it is a real thing though. And I think something the Rays recognize a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's changed the way they've done business in the past. They are, I think less ruthless in their moves um and they're more thoughtful of the club because the rays had a mentality i think the the reputation probably still exists the rays Rays are just going to trade you they don't care Uh, they see you as a number um i don't think that's true uh but i think they're the way they've they've done trades has definitely changed like you would just see random trades all the time from the rays like like the denard span trade i think the rays were very honest with denard span but he quickly became like a fan favorite in like a month and a half. And then, oh, he's going to Seattle with Alex Colomay, who was our closer. Like, what's going on here? Uh, uh, Jake Bowers, right? Like, him yeah. and William Thomas, we thought this was going to be this duo that was going to be the new faces of the Rays. They were best buddies. They're on like CDUs together, taking these great pictures. And then Jake Bowers is traded uh, for Yannick Diaz. Um, but I, I, I don't think like, I think the Rays have changed the way they make those trades, but they're also, they're always trying to win games. And so totally. um, there is a balance that needs to be struck because when the clubhouse isn't great, and maybe there were times during the stretch for the Rays that the clubhouse uh, vibe hasn't been good, and maybe that's blood into on-field results, or maybe when the on-field results aren't there, it hurts the clubhouse. I don't know. It's a formula yeah. that I don't think anybody knows. It's not a science, not a perfect science. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what they do at the trade deadline. I think the Rays have set up themselves well. They they made a couple of moves before the deadline that have worked out really yeah. well. Jake Diekman they got mm. off the scrap heap. He's given them twenty one innings, two one two point one four ERA, three point nine nine FIP, and then Robert Stevenson was a like a kind of like a deadline type of trade that's like very Raysian for yeah. sure uh getting uh, a uh kind of um rental reliever and he's been amazing like some of the highest uh k rate and whiff percentage in all of baseball uh he's like top five in both of those 
this year. Um, 2.95 ERA, 2.84 FIP, like a lockdown reliever in there. And, and you know, Kittredge is getting back. So, like, they've already done some, like, good moves to bolster that bullpen uh, and improve it. And so if they do decide to go out and add a piece, I think that's that's useful. And I think they still probably need some length in the in the starting rotation. But you don't want to necessarily just throw it throw it uh, a cog into that. So I think you know the the Rays have some work to do at the deadline. I I don't think I think they've set themselves up well though with some of the moves they made early on to address like the bullpen issues that they had, like big glaring weaknesses. I think now the tough work comes in is how do you add a starting pitcher that actually marketably moves the needle and eats up innings? Mm -hmm. And how do you maybe improve the offense and like raise the floor of the offense? Raise the floor. So yeah, I think there's some interest. I think it'll be an interesting deadline. I'm always excited. I know this deadline is probably going to be really boring for a lot of people because you're probably not going to see some big flashy names go, but I think there's going to be a lot of activity of like shuffling pieces like, you know, maybe we see Soto or Snell or Hayter. Maybe we see Eloy Jimenez and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander move. Uh, but I'm also love the small stuff. Like, I'm excited to see where which team gets Heimer Condelario. Yeah. <laughs> and and there, there was also like some excitement, even though I don't trust the Angels to do anything with it. When like the moment they're like, you know what? We're not going to trade the best player on the planet. And then, like a couple hours later, we're gonna bring in uh, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Like, there's like the we're just gonna go for it. Like, I like seeing that too. Yeah. It might not work out. Like, they could not make the postseason, and then Otani goes to the Dodgers anyways, right? Like, sure, that could very well happen. But it's fun to see them say, you know what, screw it, we're going for it. We're keeping our best player. Um, so yeah, I don't know what what to expect. But my favorite day. Uh, one of my favorite days of the regular season, like outside of opening day, is the di- the the day of the trade deadline when all the teams take the field that night. It's like okay, all the dust is settled. These are your teams. There's going to be very little changes. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just a it's the start of the pennant race for me. It's like okay, pencils yeah. down. Let's play ball. It, it is a great feeling. So I'm looking forward to that on Tuesday night. Um, yeah. also like why is the deadline not on the 31st anymore like I, it keeps moving now like i know if when the 31st is on a weekend <laughs> they make it a business day that kind of makes sense but like the 31st is on a monday why are we making it august 1st i guess that just that date is it the trade deadline anymore it's it's well so, i mean it's 30 you know they're just getting august 1st is the you know at end of business on monday it's like I feel like it should have been a Sunday, but yeah, no, I, but August 1st is Tuesday. The yeah. July 31st is Monday. And like, I'm like, yeah. why can't it be the 31st? Like it was always like, all right, end of July, make your trades. So the, the, that's it. They're just like, you know what? You've right. had enough time. Right. We're not, we're not giving you another evening. You get to sleep one day, but uh, you know, I actually, I love that too. I actually am a big fan of that. You mentioned that, that like the, the day after the dust settles, and you're like, this is it. This is the squad. There's no more moves to be made. There's no more speculation. We're done with the question of like, it's now just like, you know, maybe a call up or an injury, but like, you're basically at, this is the squad. Let's get it. So I'm excited. Even if the Rays did nothing, I would be excited because I've been really negative about the team. But at the end of the day, like, 
they won a lot of those games early on because of the talent they have. We just have to hope that enough guys are hot at the right time. And that's really baseball. And um, if you haven't already, uh, I recommend reading uh, Ben Whitelaw's uh, list. I don't even know what to call it. Um, but it's like, it's going to be my Bible for the rest of the Manifesto. Season. Yeah. <laughs> His, uh... <laughs> <laughs> a, a friend, and, and, and I've known Ben for a, a while now online, uh, but a friend texted that to me and I was like, oh my God, where did he find this? This is, this is awesome. And then I see like later, oh, it was bad. And so of course it was because it's great. And so I think it's on the D-Rays Bay Twitter. It's on the site. Um, I don't know where, maybe his personal Twitter, maybe his Reddit. I don't know where you can find it. It was on his personal Twitter uh, or his, I don't know what it's called. Nobody's going to call it anything other than Twitter. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Let's not kid ourselves. It's, it's always going to be Twitter. Um, and yeah, I, uh, it's, it's good. It's a good, it's a good read to soothe. It's a, it's a Zen read of like, okay, gotta, gotta take my deep breath, read Ben Whitelaw's, um, commandments that he came down from Mount Sai with. Yeah. What was the last, one of the last ones, number 44 adding, I think this is perfect, right? Um, adding quality depth at the margins and preparing for the off season 40 man roster crunch are important when approaching the deadline. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind. Like if Austin Shenton gets traded for a bag of peanuts, like that is a move that could help the Rays moving forward. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> if, if we don't get Blake Schneller or Juan Soto, the deadline is not a failure. Um, so that's kind of the big takeaway as we end this podcast. Hopefully this will be uploaded uh, ASAP. Um, but you know, there's always like every time going back to our uh, second half predictions, I think two of them are already busted. Um, yes. Yeah. John, I said, Jonathan, Aranda very much play so. a game for the Rays. He got called up like the next day. Uh, and then you said the Rays were going to go wire to wire. And now the Orioles have since passed them in the division. Yes. Um, yes. In my, that was, that was all off immediately. It was also like within like three days too. Yeah. So it was like, just terrible. Don't come to us for your predictions. Yeah. I don't even remember what our other ones were, but I just remember like, I don't even think the podcast had been published yet when Jonathan Aranda had been called up. We can, we can, <laughs> it's not too late to scrub it from the, uh, from, from the existence. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about Candelario and some pitchers and, the Rays will probably do something completely different and unexpected. Maybe by the time you're listening to this. That's the thing that I'm always looking for. When, when you see talks, if it's, it's either you hear the Rays linked and it's the last second and there's about to be a, a, a Passan breaking or it's, you don't hear anything. And then it's just out of nowhere. The Rays trade for yeah. Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then it's like, whoa, what the hell? And it's a it's like yeah. Brandon Lau and Taj Bradley for Logan Gilbert, Paul Seawald, and then like another, like it could be like a huge thing out of nowhere, and you're like, whoa, what the hell? And it completely shakes Cal up everything. Raleigh? I would take Cal Raleigh in that deal. Oh yeah, there you I go. Think, I don't think the Mariners are moving him. I don't. No, they won't. But all right, let's end it here. We're going to go down a weird rabbit hole of this blockbuster. I'm excited about the trade deadline. I hope you all are too. It's going to be fun. Whether whatever, just shuffling around, everybody does. It's just a it's a fun musical chairs. Yeah, and maybe maybe we'll do a instant reaction podcast if I I get to look at schedules and stuff. But um, maybe we'll talk. If something fun happens, we can do an emergency pod. I hope we do an emergency pod. Maybe we'll bring a couple new voices. We do got to get Ben on. Um, I'm, 
I've been trying to get him on and it's just lining up schedules. Um, but bring on some more familiar uh, D-Rays Bay voices. We definitely need to do that in the near future. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to check out all the great content, including Ben's manifesto, which it is now officially called, on <laughs> DRaysBay.com. Uh, if you like what we do, make sure to follow, subscribe, whatever your podcast, preferred podcast platform calls it, to make sure that every new episode is downloaded directly to your device. Um, for Darby Robinson, I'm Brett Rutherford. This is Raise Your Voice. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.